Welcome to the Gaggle Podcast, where we bring you alongside reporters to talk Arizona politics. I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez, a national political reporter at the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. This week, I'm here to talk ballot initiatives. With me are... Ryan Randazzo, I'm a reporter. And Ron Hansen, I cover the congressional delegation. There are five statewide propositions that cover a range of issues. Some of them are pretty complicated. These will all be on your ballot in November. Today, we're going to focus on three big ones that have gotten the most attention. So a lot of people probably ignore ballot initiatives, Yvonne, but why should they pay attention? So these are direct democracy in action. You see them on the ballot because voters like you um, sign, put their put their names to um, petition petitions to say that they want to see a particular issue uh, appear on the ballot. They want to have their say um, at the end of the day in the general election. So to get any kind of proposition uh, or referendum to the voting booth, tens of thousands and sometimes hundreds of thousands of people sign petition signatures from verified voters. And um, you see these people at libraries, outside of stores, hitting you up for uh, signatures. You probably don't see them these days because they've already collected the signatures they've needed on their particular issues. So it really shows and reflects the type of issues that everyday Arizonans are really concerned about. And there are three specific propositions that we're going to cover today. And these are propositions that you eventually will have to make up your mind about and will affect you in really, really real ways. So first up, there's Prop 305. That is a veto referendum on a program um, that is similar to a school voucher type program. And then we'll look at Prop 127. That would require utilities to get half their energy from renewable sources like solar and wind. And then we'll talk about Prop 126, which handles taxes on services performed in Arizona. All right, so that's a lot going on there, but that's what this episode is all about. We're going to help guide you through what all of this means and what a yes or no vote on each initiative will ultimately do. Get your pads and papers. You'll be pretty prepared by the time your ballot arrives in the mail. First up, education. Save our schools. Save our schools. Save our schools. That sound was from a rally near the Arizona State Capitol back in January, where people were protesting the school voucher program, which gives certain families public money loaded up on debit cards to use to pay for their kids' private school. The first proposition we want to talk about, Proposition 305, deals with just that. It's a very controversial expansion of the state's school voucher program. So, Yvonne, you wrote a lot about Prop 305 and, and the legislation that sort of spawned this. Talk us through sort of the history of this, how we, how we got to this moment. So, over the last seven-ish years or so, very conservative Republican lawmakers at the state legislature um, have been trying to expand this program, this it's called a, an Empowerment Scholarship Account Program. And this is a program that began with just a very small pool of programs. And it started with the idea of um, you give parents flexibility in how they um, educate their children that will hopefully provide better settings, provide better curriculum, provide better um educational settings that will help their children succeed. So it started with um, a program that was only um, eligible for special needs children. 
Since then, Republican lawmakers have expanded the eligibility um, of this program to include other categories of families or children. So uh, they expanded it to include children um, who were in the foster care system, children who lived on uh, tribal lands and Native American reservations, children who lived in poor-performing school districts. And ultimately what this led up to is what they are, what supporters refer to as a universal voucher system or universal educational savings account system. So that all 1.1 million kids in this state would be eligible to apply for the program. That means they would get the money that would otherwise go into their local public school districts loaded again on this debit card. And the parents could take that money to pay for uh, tuition educational therapies, books, um, in some cases, dance classes, swim classes, it's classes that could be categorized as some sort of therapy to help them um, achieve goals outside of, you know, the traditional classroom setting. This program became very controversial because it uh, has lax accountability, according to our reporting, when it comes to the financial reporting and auditing of these expenses. And there really is no um, metrics or standards that show whether or not it has actually um, been a plus or minus for Arizona and for those students um, on an overall basis. Now, the law that was passed to expand it to all 1.1 million kids does cap it at 30,000. What some people fear will happen is that the children who need it most, special needs children, etc., will be pushed out of the system by families or children who have many other options and might otherwise already be planning to go to private schools and can afford to go to private schools. So this um, issue really launched um, a, an effort got out, I think what we saw was the first wave of the so-called the Red for Ed movement. Um, a lot of families and parents um, were paying attention to our reporting, and ultimately they um, showed up. They were they sat through hours and hours and long days of testimony on this bill to make their voices heard, and they didn't stop. They didn't go away. Um, so they ultimately formed a group called Save Our Schools Arizona. They gathered over 100,000 signatures to get a, re a referendum of this law to the ballot. That was 25,000 or so more than what they needed. And after a flurry of legal challenges by very wealthy, deep-pocketed special interest groups like the Goldwater Institute and um, Betsy DeVos's old group, American Federation for Children, uh, Save Our Schools Arizona won its uh, fight to make this thing appear on the November ballot. And so voters will be able to decide whether or not they want to keep this program. Okay, so that's a lot of history. What does this, what does your vote mean in November? Uh, what is yes? What is no? How does this practically sort itself out? A yes vote means you want to keep the current law that was passed in 2017 in place. That is a law that allows all 1.1 million students, public school students, eligible to apply for the program, which is capped at 30,000 students. Um, it would be, again, capped at 30,000 students. 
a no vote means that you want to do away with that law. You want to take it away from the books and you want this um, universal expansion program to go away and to kind of revert to what it is right now, which is uh, for students in certain categories. Okay, so that's what yes and no means. Who's supporting this? Who's opposing it? So um, a lot of the same forces that were pushing for this expansion bill are now kind of sitting it out. They realize that there are some unintended consequences with this program. Once you refer it to a ballot and voters make up their minds, very long story short, it becomes very complicated and complex to ever change it. So groups that do want um, this program expanded to all kids are kind of walking away from this thing. So this is like Americans for Prosperity. This is the Koch group, Koch brother group, very um, influential player in this fight. They've decided to walk away from this thing. They don't think it's going to pass. They're going to um, not spend any money on it. And they're going to see what happens. And I would expect to see some sort of legislative action from them on this issue down the road. On the other side, you have groups like the Center for Arizona Policy, which is a very conservative Christian advocacy group that wants to see this law kept in place. And uh, they might not spend a lot of money to try to make that message heard and to try to reach voters. But um, if you take a look at their website, um, they are very clear about where they stand on this issue. Whether or not that will sway enough voters remains to be seen. Okay, so how you vote on this ultimately depends on how you view vouchers and whether we need to be doing more of them in Arizona, it sounds like. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. And I wouldn't expect this issue to go away anytime soon. It's a very uh, key issue in the governor's race and in the school superintendent's race. And for what it's worth, uh, at the Arizona Republic, Rob O'Dell and I did an analysis of the program uh, last year, uh, and that followed an analysis from the year before. And in both instances, we found that the vast majority of students using this program are actually abandoning higher performing districts in more affluent areas, um, which is in direct contrast with the, you know, notion that supporters often peddle, which is this is for poor children in poor performing schools uh, who wouldn't otherwise be able to um, adequately educate themselves. What's in Prop 127? Read the language for yourself. You'd think Arizona would lead on solar energy, but utility giant APS keeps blocking Arizona solar. Check the facts and vote no on Prop 127. Vote yes on 127 and make the sun work for Arizona. Those are just two of the numerous ads that are running around the second ballot initiative we want to talk to you about today. That's Proposition 127. This ballot initiative proposes a change to Arizona's constitution to require utilities to use more energy from renewable sources such as solar. Ryan, you've been covering this uh, topic for a very long time now, it seems. Um, this is the initiative that APS has been fighting pretty hard against, right? 
That's right. Um, so a, a yes vote on this would require companies like APS and Tucson Electric to get half of their electricity from renewable sources like solar and wind by 2030. That's a really big jump from what they're required to do today. Now they need to get 15% by 2025. They are doing that. They get about 8% from different renewables today. Um, and a no vote would just simply mean no, that that doesn't happen and, and we stick with the current standard. So it seems pretty much like a no-brainer kind of idea. So why why do people disagree with these mandates? Well, the, proposed mandates. The, the utilities uh, and a broad array of elected officials across the state have come out against this. Um, the utilities argue that it would require them to increase rates if they have to build all this solar and wind to meet the requirement. And they also say that it would force them to close their coal plants and the nuclear plant ahead of schedule. Those things are going to close one day anyhow, but they're saying that this would force an early closure of some of their bigger baseload power plants um, that run all the time and provide power around the clock. Um, so uh, it does though, uh, renewables are wildly popular in Arizona. We're a sunny place. We go 100 days at a time without rain. So people um, you know, uh, are appreciative of solar power. They think it makes sense that we do more of that here. And um, so that's why this initiative was pretty popular, turned in a lot of signatures. Those got challenged, of course, by APS, um, which was sort of doing anything it could to fight this initiative and keep it off the ballot. So from support for things like solar to opposition to things like coal-fired plants, um, seems like the public is already going in the right direction on this, and the energy markets seem to be following them to some extent on this. If voters don't pass this, where might we be reasonably in terms of using renewables instead? If it's not 50%, would we be at 40? Would we be at 15, 20? Is there any way to reasonably speculate on what the world looks like if we don't pass this. Well, I think most experts agree that we're moving towards this, what this uh, initiative would require. It's just the pace at which we get there. So uh, our state utility regulators have a proposal now that they're considering. It would be 80% renewables by 2050. They would include nuclear in that just to make sure that you don't shut down a big nuclear power plant in Arizona, which doesn't have uh, direct air emissions and, and carbon emissions, which contribute to global warming. Uh, it's just giving them a longer time frame to get to that point. So we are definitely moving in that direction. I think um, I think there's probably support even among the Republicans on the Corporation Commission today to increase that renewable energy standard. It's just not as fast as this initiative would um, have it. And the other problem with this initiative from the opponent's point of view is that this enshrines it in the Constitution. So if for some reason it's not working out or it is too expensive, there's really no alternative. You have to adhere to this constitutional mandate. Today, if something happens and a utility says, hey, it's going to be burdensome on our customers if we raise bills, if we build a new solar plant and raise their bills, they can get a waiver or they can get an extension um, or they can uh, tweak their their renewable energy plan with the state regulators. If this is in the state constitution, you can't do that. And that is where a lot of the more moderate opposition to this comes from. I mean, there's some sort of staunch anti-renewable folks who are, we're going to oppose this regardless. There's some who oppose it because it's backed by billionaire activist Tom Steyer from California. And then the more moderate folks are saying, hey, I might enjoy renewables or think we should do more renewables, but I'm a little wary of uh, changing the state constitution to require it because then we have no wiggle room in how we get to that point. So I've seen um, quite a
quite a few TV ads on this already, and um, they're pretty scary, I have to say. I mean, I'm a APS customer, full disclosure. I see what that bill looks like you know, every month. My husband's from Texas. He grew up in a household where it's like that thing is set on 65, so I'm like dying every time I see my bill. And I'm looking at this lady on TV who's getting her bill, and it's like super dark, creepy background, um, makes it uh, makes it just seem like, you know, you never know what's lurking behind the corner, you know, these giant utility companies and, you know, um, they're, they're coming for you is basically what they're saying. So, like, how do voters, like, <laughs> I think I'm mixing up my ads. <laughs> like, which ad are we talking about? I was gonna say, I haven't seen that ad. The one with the lady, she's opening her bill and it's like all dark. And you haven't seen that one? You're scaring me. I know. <laughs> well, curious what you're watching at night. What channel are you on? It's in the middle of the day. What's the prop number? Prop 127. Midnight somewhere, right? <laughs> We interrupt this podcast for the following telenovela. I swear I saw this ad. <clears throat> so we all know what our bills look like when we open them up um, every month or when we get that auto pay and we get all that money taken out of our bank accounts. It hurts so bad. But practically speaking, what would um, the impact of this proposal be for voters? Will their bills go up? Will they go down? Will they stay about the same? That The answer to that question depends on who you believe. Uh, APS says that it would actually double utility bills uh, in, the, in the farther out years. The proponents of this say that it would mitigate the increases that we're going to see on our bills anyways in the next 20 years as APS and other utilities repair their old coal plants and build new natural gas-fired plants. They say that because the cost of solar in even solar with battery backup so that you can have electricity all night and wind energy those prices are dropping so much that they say that this is a prudent plan uh, APS says the exact opposite of that so um, the truth is probably somewhere there in between and again it just depends on who whose rhetoric you believe on this initiative what it would do to utility prices Politicians want to impose a new tax on you, and they're going to do it by taxing home services, beauty services, and more. It will cost you more every day and could stall the economy and hurt small businesses. Vote yes on 126. Protect Arizona taxpayers. I've definitely heard that ad. It's about our final ballot initiative, Proposition 126. This initiative is all about taxes on services offered in the state, which I'm just going to say sounds kind of bland, but it isn't really, especially when you're talking about things like haircuts, manicures, pedicures. Ryan, what's a skinny? Yeah, so let me put it in terms for you. This uh, would prevent you from ever paying taxes on any services like uh, mani-pedis, okay, Vaughn? What so about blowouts? Blowouts, <laughs> as, as hot of a political topic as those are, they would uh, be prohibited from being taxed as well. So today in Arizona and most states around the country, we tax goods. So if you buy a car, a book, a glass of beer, that's taxed. But if you go to the doctor or get your hair cut or take your dog to the vet, those are services. They're not widely taxed. Only a couple of states uh, do that. A couple of years ago, some Republicans in our state legislature proposed 
putting taxes on certain services with the idea that if you tax some services, you could lower the amount of sales tax charged on goods. And that's sort of a general conservative principle that you want a very broad tax base and that way you can have the lowest taxes as possible. That bill, by the way, went absolutely nowhere, died in committee, but it was uh, supported by some pretty um, strong conservatives in the state legislature. The realtors saw that and they thought, well, if you're going to tax a real estate transaction, a real estate service, you know, they get paid maybe $7,000 on the sale of a home. And if you applied the same sales tax to that, that could, you know, be $500 out of their pocket for every time they sell a house. So they got this ballot uh, uh, initiative put in place. Uh, they gathered the signatures and they're the main uh, driver here. They don't ever want to see real estate services taxed. Since then, they've brought in some small business advocates, people from other industries, um, doctors, and just other uh, service industries who wouldn't want to see taxes either. On the opposition side, you have Americans for Prosperity and some more um, liberal-minded groups, which is weird to see people from both sides of the political spectrum. And their argument is that if you prohibit any type of service tax, then you 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 kind of forego any um, budget resolution in the future. So if our state budget gets in trouble and you wanted to, for example, tax financial advice, um, you know, so if you sat down with a financial advisor and you paid them and you could tax that service, you couldn't do that. You couldn't tax any type of service in the future, not just real estate, but anything else that might sound reasonable as a way to, to amend or fix the state budget. So where do these current taxes go now into the general fund right yeah so sales taxes so that um that's sort of the opposition argument that hey our economy is moving towards more services and the the sale of goods is declining so every year americans spend more of their uh disposable income on services and less on goods that creates sort of a long-term problem for state budgets that rely mostly on the taxes of goods so people say, well, maybe it makes sense to tax some services, maybe not every service, maybe not if you're going to talk to your heart surgeon, but um, again, financial advice. And people could come up with some other services that might get broad support, you know, that these are things that are uh, used broadly by people and, and a tax on that type of service might make sense in the future. And this is this would be precluded under this measure. So if you get your ballot early and you're confused about these ballot initiatives or you want more information, you can read more about all of them on azcentral.com. And don't ignore these ballot initiatives. They're really important. Um, there is going to be kind of short summaries of each proposition and what they do. Um, both, I believe, in the, in the Secretary of State's um, publicity pamphlet, they will, they will explain what they do. And you can go online to the Arizona Secretary of State's office and you can read more about them. Um, if you need some more information, you can also call me or DM me or Ryan, um, and we would be happy to answer your questions. So hopefully by now, though, you do have enough information to decide how you want to vote on each of these issues. There are two other ballot initiatives uh, that Dustin Gardner is following for the state um, legislative team. You can check out his stories on those at azcentral.com. That's it for today. Thanks for listening to the Gaggle Podcast. I hope you found this uh, episode very interesting with all the talks about, uh, you know, Manny Petties and blowouts, Ryan's favorite topics. If you have any questions or comments, you can find me on Twitter at Yvonne Winget. I'm at Utility Reporter. 
And you can follow me at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Also, you might have noticed we've been experimenting a little bit with our show. We want to make a show that you love and want to share. So we've created a survey where you can help us do just that. It's only 10 questions long and should take you about three minutes. It'll help us out a lot. Just click the notes of this episode for the link. You can find new episodes of The Gaggle every Wednesday. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And leave us a review. It really does help others find the show. Our producers are Lauren Aguirre, Taylor Seeley, Taya Price, and Kayla White. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.